That is incredible. They are just so stinking cute. I don't know. I'm, I don't know how I'm supposed to keep up with that. I wore my, my shoes, though, hoping that I could uh, keep up with that. So when I was, when I was buying these shoes, <clears throat> I was trying them on in the store, and the lady, uh, this older lady, came past, and she's like, man, those are some blinging shoes. I like them. And I was like, I know, right? I said, I'm thinking about wearing them for the Christmas service. And she looked at me, concerned. And uh, she was like, the Christmas service in a church? And I said, yeah. I said, I want to bring it for Jesus. <laughs> and, and she looked at me and she said, I want to go to your church. <laughs> I was like, come on in. Oh, we're celebrating. Merry Christmas, everybody. So good to be with you all. I love it. Um, you know, I was doing some research, and I found um, the Guinness Book of Records for the most expensive Christmas decorated tree ever. It's in the Guinness Book of Records. I didn't even know they had a Guinness Book of Records for this. But this is a picture of the tree. It is valued, valued at over $11 million. $11 million. Like, I don't even know. Like, how expensive is that tree, the wood? Like, what is making it so expensive? Actually, it's because of what's it adorned with, what's it decorated with. It was actually put up in the Emirates, the Emirates Palace in Dubai. Uh, it's, it's almost like a mall, though, really, the Emirates Palace. It sounds glamorous, but it's more like a shopping mall, business center kind of place. It's in Abu Dhabi, and Emirates Palace, it was on display from the 16th of December to the 29th of December in 2010. And it's covered with 181 different items of jewelry. Watches, necklaces, bracelets. Do you think they needed an armed guard around that tree? <laughs> I mean, come on, you walk by and you're like, I'll have a Christmas gift for myself, thank you very much. But you know, the issue that I had with this is that the Christmas tree is a symbol of Christmas, which we've already discussed last week, means the celebration of Christ's birth. That's what Christmas is, the celebration of Christ's birth. So this tree is celebrating Christ's birth in a country where if you convert to Christianity, you get the penalty of death. Did your head go tilt? Like... What? I, I don't understand. What do you mean? See, you can, you can be a Christian uh, in Abu Dhabi. You just can't convert to Christianity. So if you arrive there as a Christian, you're good. Converting, not good. Penalty, death. But let's put up a tree that represents the very thing that you're not allowed to convert to. So why would they do this, you ask? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because Muslims, Baptists, not Baptists, excuse me, Buddhists... <laughs> Sorry, my Baptist friends, that was not, that was not an intentional slip. Uh, to any Buddhists, Muslims, uh, Mormons, majority of people around the world actually love Jesus, if you didn't know this. Most religions love Jesus, especially the Muslims. The issue comes, the outrage comes, the anger comes when you define him as God. They loved Jesus. He was a good man, a good teacher. He was a prophet. Whatever you want to call him is great. We love Jesus. Just don't call him 
God. But let's see what the ancient scriptures call him. We're going to read today Matthew chapter 1. This is Jesus making an entrance into the earth. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a, just a man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You'll notice in that passage that we just read that Jesus appears to be given two names. You see the first one, Jesus, which is actually Yeshua. The Bible wasn't written in English. Old Testament is Hebrew and the New Testament is written in Greek. So when you translate the word through transliteration, goes a few steps, we get, English, we get Jesus. The original name was Yeshua. In the Old Testament, it's Yahweh. It's Hebrew. I'm not giving you a Hebrew Greek class. I'm just trying to help you out a little bit. This name, Yeshua or Yahweh, it means Yahweh saves. What it means is God saves. Names had importance in those days. Your name meant something. They wasn't just given randomly. It was on purpose of what you would become, of what you would do. So when he says Jesus, it's Yahweh saves. God saves. That is his name, Jesus. The second name that he's given is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, which one is it? Jesus or Emmanuel? There's two names. The thing is, Jesus, throughout the scriptures, God actually gives us many names for himself. As you look, if you take a journey with me here, as we're going to go through some scripture, you look through the Old Testament, you see that as we get to know God, along the journey, he gives us different names to call him, that we might know him by. In the Old Testament, when God first appears to Abram and tells him his name, he says, I am El Shaddai. That means I am God Almighty. The reason why is Abram worshipped many gods at the time. So God was saying, I am the God above all those little gods. I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. So that's where you first see him come on the scene. Then to Moses, he says, I am Yahweh. I am that I am. Is how we translate. We know Yahweh, he has lots of meaning to it. But he says, I am that I am to Moses. He says, I am, I am, that paragraph means I am eternal. I am self-existent. I have always been and I will always be. He is saying, I am unchangeable. I am from the beginning to the end. I am the everlasting. So this is the name, this is the comprehension that we get from him is that he is eternal. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can somebody say amen? amen. You know, and on a side note, I know... Um, a lot of times uh, people will say to me, uh, nobody here, just online 
people, not, not you watching though online, other online people, um, will comment sometimes to me and they'll say, uh, you know, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus never claimed to be God. Christians added that later. Well, they're always surprised when I take them to John chapter 8 and verse 58. We'll put that scripture up for you. This is Jesus talking. Very, very, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, even if you speak English, you know, that's not the correct way if you were going to say something. You know, if you were going to say, I was before Abraham, you know, you, you would say it differently. But he made a point to put the I am at the end by itself. He said, at this, they picked up stones to stone him. So Jesus is surrounded by Jewish people. He says a statement and suddenly they want to stone him. The reason why is the first name that God ever gives himself is I am. I am. I am before all things. I am eternal. I am the creator God. So throughout the rest of history, the Jewish culture understood that name Yahweh meant the eternal God, the creator God. A lot of times we have the understanding that not, they didn't know what it meant because a lot of Christians don't even read their Bible, unfortunately. But in the Jewish community, in those days, they understood. They had most of, a lot of times, the Torah memorized. They, they had been taught it. They had been handed out generation after generation. Story after story had been passed down. This was not something that they didn't have a clue of what was going on. When he said this, everybody there understood that I am was reserved for the creator God alone. So when he says this statement, the shock that hits them, the blasphemy that's coming from this man who dares to claim to be God. They understood it. It was blasphemous. They picked up stones in anger. We're going to take, we're going to be revenge for God. We're going to stone you right now for saying that. You can choose to believe whatever you want about Jesus. That's your prerogative. But don't expect people to jump on the same bandwagon and say that he never claimed to be God. Because when Jesus said, I am, he put, that rest to, he put that lie to rest years ago. He put that lie to rest and says, I am God eternal. People that don't know that, I want to look at them and say, read your Bible. Come to Bible college. I'll teach you. I promise you. You need the foundation. People are lacking foundation. They want to pull one scripture out of context and not understand the, the entirety of the story and how it fits together. It's so vitally important as a Christian that you understand everything in there and how it fits together. Our Bible college is not, you know, it's, we say college, but it's more like a schooling. We don't, you know, we don't give you like big essays and all of that. We make it very easy to get through, but we're trying to train people to be passionate believers to understand who they are in Christ. It's so important. If you don't think Jesus is God, we have bigger problems. I know where I got to start. Like, you're like, I don't even know if you're in diapers in the kingdom yet. You're just like, I don't even know if your foot's through the door, if you have that kind of an issue, right? So that's okay. I'm willing to work with anybody. If you're willing to hear it, if you're willing to grow through it, I'm willing to work with anybody. That's what I love to do. That's what I love to help people with. But it's important that you understand the scriptures and how important this was when Jesus says, I am. He was saying, I am God. So let's go back to looking at the names of God. We also see names that are referenced just to Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, he says this. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting 
Father, Prince of Peace. So what's with all the names? Well, each of these names were to reveal part of his nature. Part of what he had to do, some was what he was going to be, some part of it was who he was. See, Jesus, the name, is descriptive of what he was called to do. But the name Emmanuel is who he is. See, Jesus, he came to be the Savior. That was what he came to do. But Emmanuel is describing who Jesus is. He is God with us. Notice in that story, Joseph is told to name the baby Jesus, but that he would be called Emmanuel. I am named Cindy, but Terry calls me his very loving wife. <laughs> I am named Cindy, but you call me pastor. So one is my name, the other is my title. Or you could say one is my name, the other is the description of the relationship we have. My name is Cindy, but my best friend calls me Bestie because the relationship we have. The name you call God is the relationship you have. Is God just Jesus to you? Is he just Savior? Is he just your entrance into heaven? I can live like I want pretty much, come to church a couple of times a year, read the Bible, pray over my food, and um, I, heaven's at the end waiting for me. He's just my savior into heaven. Or is he Emmanuel, God with you, here and now? He's called Emmanuel because God is not removed. He's not distant. He's not not understanding of what you're going through in your situation, quite the opposite. When you look at the story of Jesus in the Bible and he's from his birth, we only see one account of his childhood and that's when he's 12 and he goes to the temple. The rest of the time, you don't see it, you don't see him until he's 30 years old. What's the point? Why? Why didn't God include any of his upbringing? I believe it's because God wanted you to know that he had to live a life. He had to grow up just like we did. He had to learn to obey his parents. It wasn't that he was four years old and his mom said, get in the bathtub. And he said, no. And he walked on the water. <laughs> it wasn't that he sat down for dinner and his mom served food. And he said, I don't like that. I'm turning that into something else. No. He had to obey his parents. He had to learn to read. He had to learn and study carpentry. He had to go on family outings. He had to watch and learn the difficulty that his parents had in raising the kids. He did all this so that he could understand us, so that he could know us. He has lived through everything you've lived through. He was tempted but never sinned. He was betrayed. He was let down. He was disappointed. But he was also left in awe and amazed. And he had great friendships that touched his heart. He can empathize with somebody walking through a dark, lonely time, feeling abused and neglected. 
He understands the sting of losing a loved one when his cousin John was beheaded. He feels compassion toward those who are falsely accused because he was. He understands the weight of sacrificial love because he did. See, he walked in your shoes so you could call him Emmanuel. He walked in your shoes so he would know what you're going through. So you could know that he knows how you feel because he is God with you. And then he died on the cross, the most excruciating death. He took all the sin, all your shame, everything you ever did wrong. He, takes the, he dies in our place, proving the greatest love there ever was. He's dead for three days and then he rises again, again proving that he's God. One more time because nobody else, not Muhammad, not Buddha, none of them have come back from the dead. Only Jesus came back. And he is the king. And when he died on that cross and rose again, he saved you. But he didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something. He didn't just save you from separation from Almighty God because of your rebellion. You deserved separation from the Almighty God. You deserved everlasting punishment, hell. He saved you from that, but he saved you for something. He saved you for a relationship with the Almighty God. He saved you for the greatest walk you'll ever have in your life is walking hand in hand with the King. He saved you for a purpose. Nobody is here by accident. Nobody gets to just go through life with zero purpose until you start walking with the Almighty God, the one who created you, the one who knows you, the one who purposed you, who put your giftings in you, who put your talents in you. That person is Jesus. He purposed you for a reason. He saved you for a reason. He didn't just save you from your sin. He saved you for a relationship with him. Because he wants you to know him as Emmanuel. He wants you to know him as God with you. See, when you choose to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life does not get perfect. In fact, it actually might get worse. Because now you've got people that don't like the fact that you've turned to Jesus. Your life won't get perfect, but it'll be worth it. Your life will be worth it. Because every morning you wake up, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. My life is purposed by the King. I've got purpose. He put me here for a reason. Somebody needs to feel loved this week. Somebody needs to be told that they're here by, on purpose. I can do something today because I have a call. I have a purpose by the King. See, knowing He has a plan for your life will give you purpose. And then to know that when you're in the valley, he's with you. When you're on the mountaintop, he's cheering with you. When you walk through the deserts, he's still with you. And he understands. And then all of those names that he is described as come to pass in your life. You see him 
as wonderful counselor. When you need advice, when you need to know left or right, God, you are my counselor. When you need peace because the anxiety and the stress of life is too much, he is the prince of peace. So you can experience the peace of God when the world says, what is wrong with you? How can you be okay with this? How can you be at peace? Because the deep peace that comes from him is not circumstantial. The joy that comes from him is not based on your circumstances. That's called happiness. And happiness is a physical, chemical reaction. Joy is a spiritual one. I've experienced joy, deep joy within my soul when the circumstances around me are broken, are sad, are tragic. Yet I can have joy in my soul because it's a spiritual reaction given by the Almighty God. He says, my joy is your strength. So he will give you joy that sustains your strength as you walk through the valley. Because he is... Emmanuel, he is God with you. And that is the story of Christmas. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Just close your eyes for a moment. Let's honor the Lord with this moment. Even those watching online, wherever you're watching from, take this moment seriously. Jesus died for you. He rose again for you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. But it all begins with your decision to choose him. He left free will in your hand. He won't take that from you. He won't take it from you. I know your life hasn't been perfect. I know it's probably been far from it. And you might be going, where was God when? I can't answer all the questions for you. I just know that you're not hearing my voice today by accident. Because God has been trying to reach you this whole time. He's been trying to tell you, I'm with you. If you will trust me, if you will hold my hand, I will walk you through this. I can turn those ashes into beauty. I can lift you from wherever you are that you think is impossible. I can lift you out of this. I can make this story count. I can take your hurt and make it a testimony. And he is the only one that can mend the broken heart. He is the only one that can pour his love into your heart through the tragedy, through the loss, through the sickness, through whatever you've experienced. He is the only one that can do it. And he is almighty God. Trust me, he can do it. He is the God of miracles. So today I want to offer you an opportunity. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and said, I want him as Yeshua. I want him as Savior. But I also want him as Emmanuel. I want him. I want to give him my life and I want him to walk with me as Emmanuel. Then just raise your hand right now. I'm not going to ask you to come out of your seat. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you wherever you are. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Wherever you are, just raise your hand. This is not about me watching. This is about Jesus watching. If you could picture the whole of heaven standing still for this moment. Because the scripture says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels rejoice. Which means they're standing watching. 
the angel is holding the pen to write in the Lamb's book of life, your name. Waiting. Will they choose Jesus today? Will they choose Yeshua? Will they choose Emmanuel? Raise your hand right now and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for that lady's hand. I see it. Thank you so much. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I receive what he did on the cross today. I thank you that I am a child of God. Lord, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask for you to walk with me forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's put some praise on our lips. The angels are rejoicing in heaven. And uh, come on up, worship team. And what a great celebration. I want to wish you personally, we'll have the lights up just a notch, not all the way, please. Um, this is... Um, a special time of year, and I hope that you get to spend it with family. And if you, if you can't know that, Emmanuel, God with you. Even if you are alone, God with you. You are not alone. But this is such a special time. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And uh, as once the, they're all, everybody's in place. <clears throat> this was, uh, if you know, this was my dad's favorite song. So in honor of him, Merry Christmas.
I mean, you can stay if you want to, but some of us, we gotta go and cook and stuff, so. 